Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, some guy with an undercut just called him a soy boy, it's Arturo Zurita. You know... Zach, I, I know you got to see In the Heights, but I don't know if you got to see Hamilton live. That, that's that's the one playbill I can't have you be pulling out. No, I think you, you did beat me on that one. I did not, did not see that one live. I didn't see it with the main people either, so it's okay. But <laughs> uh, no, nonetheless, excited to be here. Have another week of movies, TV shows, but also for the first time. I mean, I, we may have done it in the past, but I'm not exactly sure. At least not to this degree. Some giveaways. Uh, yeah, you know, they've been talking about uh, everyone on, on Twitter is pretty much posting all of their uh, FYC for your consideration <laughs> movies, the big movies of the year, all the stuff that people are going to be voting on. Uh, Zach and I don't have the privilege to give away gold, so we don't get these plastic little DVDs that are being sent out. Interestingly enough, it turned out Zach was letting me know that the, the movie that is not supposed to be digital it's not supposed to be streaming it's not even supposed to be on blu-ray dvd 4k turns out it is uh they're yeah. they're sending out uh what was it memoria uh yeah the the latest from apichong with a skull uh the movie that's supposedly only screening in limited theaters for one week at a time is now uh in the dvd collection of every random person with 500 f- twitter followers who happens to be part of a critics group so hey, hopefully you're hey, friends with somebody we're jealous that's yeah. who we are we're jealous we're, we're, we're super we're jealous we're, I, this is I don't know anything about salt all that. right now what you're hearing um all i know is we, we, we got, got a good Isaac. dvd uh, collection of our own here. yeah we exactly. got the real intercut indie collection to to cherish thanks to the people over at film movement Shout out to those people. Not only were we able to get his first three films that you see right here, but they were nice enough to send it to us, shipping and handling, all completely covered. Didn't have to pay for the movies, none of that stuff, but they were nice enough to also uh, give one to the intercuties. So, Zach, I know we were going to prep something as well. Yeah, yeah, we are lucky enough to be able to uh, give out a collection of the early films of Lee Isaac Chung, of course, the famed director of Minari. So if you would like uh, a copy copy of those three films on DVD, uh, you have to be located within the United States. Unfortunately, we can only ship domestically for us. So if you're in the United States, please leave us a comment down below telling us what your favorite movie of 2021 has been so far and why we'll choose somebody from the comments and reply to you and get you those dvds from lee isaac chung so once again yeah uh check out give the people another look at that that awesome collection there i'll I'll give you the full screen for this who needs memorial boom boom who needs dune bro who need like look at this right here man come on look at that right there full what is a dvd 720 (laughs) (laughs) yeah look at that right there Oh, beautiful. Bonus commentary tracks, man. Ooh, 185? Oh, my goodness. Dune doesn't even come in 178? Look at that right here. We're spoiling Dude, y'all. Spoiling it. Film this movement is, is spoiling y'all. No, but, but for real, uh, as Zach said, leave a comment down below. Domestically, if, if you're international, fly in, stay at a Motel 6, ship it to you right there. Uh, and you'll be able to enjoy the new one from Lee Isaac Chun. I have not opened mine yet, but I do love that all of them come with these uh, commentary uh, tracks and just a couple of extra features that come with them. So it's pretty dope. Minari was one of my favorites. I think actually was my favorite of last year. Yeah, uh, same. 
right out of Sundance. So uh, it's really cool to be able to go back and see a lot of his back catalog. Absolutely. So leave us a comment down below once again with your favorite movie of 2021 and why we'll pick out a domestic winner later. But we're going to get into the show in just a second. Thanks to those of you who managed to hop on to our last minute live. If uh, you want to know about when we are going live, make sure you're following us, whether it is on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at IntercutPod or by hopping onto the Intercut Pod Discord, which you can always catch a link to in the links down in the description show. Shout out to Connor. Shout out to Devesh. Shout out to Ryan, who's finally able to catch one of these live. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out. Shout out to LaShawn. So thanks to all of you who are hanging out with us live as we're going to talk about the latest in entertainment. In a little bit, we will get into King Richard, Arcane, Tick, Tick, Boom, but first, make sure you're subscribed not just to the Intercut Podcast on audio form, but also on video form, youtube.com slash intercutpod. Uh, and the audio podcast is available on most podcatchers. Again, I like Overcast. Also, as I mentioned earlier, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, great places to keep up to date with the latest from me, from art. Follow us at IntercutPod, that's Intercut P-O-D, and that's short for podcast. We're also on Patreon, where you can support the show for as little as $1 per month. Thanks to our current patrons for sticking it out with us and, and supporting the show. Uh, i got to open my sticky note to make sure I don't leave anybody out, because that would be that'd be pretty bad to, to leave out one of our lovely Academy-level patrons uh, you can't do that when you're up there at the acceptance speech. <laughs> exactly right. You gotta. That's why you have to prepare that little piece of paper. Make sure that nobody gets left out, or you get in trouble with somebody significant later on. So shouts to Cademan, shouts to Da Zapata, shouts to you, and shouts to Tushar, and of course the producer level patron Awkward, who are all supporting the show. Uh, a reminder that you can support the show for as little as $1 a month to get access to our monthly Google Hangouts. I think next week we're going to be doing one of those Google Hangouts after the live stream. So come hang with me, come hang with Art for as little as $1 a month. Again, that's Patreon and Intercut Pod. And you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, make whenever... I get a new five-star review of Intercut Pod. It makes me happier than Tom eating non-prison food on Succession. Like, he's really trying to relish all the good relish and, and other condiments while they're available to him. Uh, whatever The wine you... that he doesn't particularly like, but as long as it's not toilet water, <laughs> yeah, it does toilet... the trick. Exactly. I mean, he's, he's developing a palate for it, right? You gotta, you gotta become accustomed to it. They, they don't put as much salt in, in food in prison, as uh, Tom has let us all know with the latest successions. Okay, Art, let's get into this. Let's do the thing that we start every week here with what we are watching. Tell me a little bit of what, about what you've been watching, bud. Dude, I have not been able to go to theaters at all recently, so I'm saving uh, so many movies from Belfast to Power of the Dog to uh, Gucci. I haven't even been able to see, but I think you're going to have some words on. So I've been at home watching what a lot of you have been recommending, and there's this little show on Netflix that is based off of a game I've never played. That is Arcane. 
I believe it is a League of Legends show that is supposed to take some of the characters that I believe you're allowed to play with or something like that. And Netflix has spawned it off into this animated series that was just a huge hit. I know it was doing numbers, coming in the top ten. But on top of that, right now that you – if you scroll up, right, uh, on the IMDb, you'll notice that this thing is sitting at a whopping nine-point-something – 9.4 dude i think that went out from last night and like even imdb had to come out and do a whole statement of like this is the first time that they have seen a netflix show uh put stats like this and it's it's not even that it leveled off it just continues to have people pouring in could be because of the fan base could be because of i don't know people just at home really liking the the show maybe maybe they'll stand up to it i have been able to catch uh an act and a third because i believe it is nine episodes split into three episode acts and we are following uh it's kind of what this world it's split between the top level and the bottom level you're following this group that's just trying to make it by um and so far i don't think it's that bad i think i think it's pretty enjoyable uh i think the characters are pretty interesting seeing how they they change and develop from act one to act two i, I don't mind the animation that much uh, i think some people have compared it to like a very 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 good cutscene. uh but I, I do like the camera movements i think it's done very well uh i know people were going crazy for the music and while i am not a big fan of the band that does the theme song which is imagine dragon i had no idea until i went to youtube that uh there is actually a feature on that song, and it's none other than JID himself. So, uh, oh, interesting. Consider me, you know, consider me a little bit more fan yeah. of the theme just because a of that. he killed it with there. I wish they kept them as the actual intro, but nonetheless, right. uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty solid show so far. I don't think you need to know anything about the game going in. I don't know anything about the game. I think it's pretty easy uh, to catch up on it. I'm sure that there's a load of easter eggs and a bunch of other things that can be uh interpreted or you know kind of pinpointed out if you've played um or stuck around with league but so far i've been enjoying the show i think it uh i think it's a decent watch so yeah i mean thumbs up but i think you hated it you (laughs) despised it i don't want to go as far as saying i i hated it because this is you know like definitely not your runescape fan not the kind of show that i i typically find myself into so i don't want to like uh pretend that this is some anomaly for me i i i'm shows like these are kind of a hard sell for me i think like you have to be really uh engaged with the larger world of the film and and mm-hmm. or excuse me the series and like be have an investment in the lore or at least be a little bit more willing than i typically find myself in uh finding out about the lore and the world of this whole show uh because uh, without caring that much about the bigger world that they're inhabiting you're left with what i felt were pretty bland characters and bland writing. Uh, Just a selection of quotes that I wrote down from, I think, like, the first two episodes. I only caught the first two episodes. Oh, Mm. man, not again. I just got this shirt. Thought last time was the last time we were going to do this. Could fill a damn library with all the things you don't know. Hear that? They don't want any trouble. You're all I have left. I can't lose you. Like, stuff like that that just really could be, like, copy and pasted from just about any one of these, like, fantasy-type shows. Um, I, you know, so for me, that was an obstacle. But, like, it, I'm clearly the minority. I, if you're watching on the live stream, you see I have the Netflix Top 10 here, and it is the number one Netflix TV show right now. Uh, it, it's It's kind of becoming, like, more than just 
a hit. It's kind of a, a phenomenon in that we're seeing all these new pushes towards like uh, what's the next video game show that's going to be adapted like can this energy carry over to like the halo show or they just announced amazon's going to do a mass effect show so uh i think the success of arcane is definitely going to be uh a a big like uh bellwether for the industry it's going to certainly be like a trendsetter um and maybe i'll give it a a bigger chance like i said i only watched the first two episodes maybe maybe i'll become more invested if i give it more time but yeah at least on its surface it wasn't for me you're missing some of the best lines dude no someone says no pressure the guy responds that sounds like pressure <laughs> it's a pretty solid line of business one of my favorite ones when you right. change the world don't ask for permission you know there's a reason why it's number one but I, I don't think it's that bad i'm not blown away by it yet we'll see how it ends i, I do like the twist that act two uh kind of takes uh so yeah we'll, we'll see how it is pretty much the shareholders i'm pretty sure are very excited at the fact that if one video game property can do well i mean like you see it's sitting on top of tiger king and everything then uh it's probably going to be something that's going to influence a lot of the other streaming services so yeah i mean definitely think uh people at netflix were, would probably be surprised to see arcane ahead of tiger king and the new narcos mexico so early yeah. uh what else you got um i don't know what else i have Zach. <laughs> <laughs> oh actually there's a there's something off netflix and i'm very curious where it's even sitting in the top 10 movies considering that red notice has taken really everything by storm i almost feel just slightly right here as you pull up the what, what the movies would be is that red notice was pretty much a whole rollout that movie cost them 200 million dollars to the point that they had police on set like they had security guards netflix had people making sure that they weren't going over budget uh, for a movie that's just completely green screen because they shot during the pandemic. But I almost felt it's in their invested interest because you're literally on a site right now that was a part of the rollout with the movie. They're now trying to push not just the list being on the site, but literally you going to, what is it, top10netflix.com? Yeah, this, top10.netflix.com. Yeah, their own box mojo. And what's weird is that, you know, we, we've been covering movies for a long time, so we know the difference that when a box office weekend comes out, you know, you got Warner Bros. fighting Disney, fighting, you know, they'll counter market depending on what movie's coming out. Someone will set a date, so they're like, oh, we got to move it, you know, a couple of weeks later. We don't want to be in competition. What's the competition when your list is just made up of your own movies? Mm-hmm. And it's when, when it's made up of your own movies, do you not set the narrative there? I don't see how Red Notice is the biggest one out of all of them, but nonetheless, it is it has taken Netflix by storm. It was uh, very helpful in pushing their new top ten, and I think it's very beneficial for them. I don't think The Rock was ever going to be in a movie that is not considered a top ten movie, and because he's on Netflix, he can make a top ten for as many weeks as he wants. Um, my pick, though, would be the Lee Manuel Miranda directed uh, debut actually Tick Tick Boom I ended up really 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 liking this movie uh, I know Encanto's out in theaters and I was able to have some words about that last week and I would highly recommend that one um, but this one I mean just stay home at this point I think the music <laughs> just hits a little bit uh, more the story also is just fantastic and I was blown away by Andrew Garfield's performance yeah. I don't know if you and I have been discussing uh, what our picks are so far for the top performances of the year i was looking through the list and i realized damn are there's still a buttload of movies that are coming out but this man is definitely my top five of the year so far uh you caught this one so Mm -hmm. i I know we can exchange some stuff uh between here but it is the story of um playwright right yeah jonathan larson who famously was the guy uh, who wrote the musical rent 
uh, which was, you know, obviously a huge phenomenon, changed the face of Broadway since, uh, and, and one of the things that's tragic about his story is that he died prematurely, died at a young age. He actually died the same night that the first preview, or maybe the night before, what? the first preview of uh, exactly. Rent. Uh, so yeah, he kind of like, right before his his success, he before uh, his life would have probably changed forever, he wasn't able to really see the fruition of all that. Uh, this music, this musical is not really about that, it's more about his, his life before all that and, and the, just the striving part, the, uh, the, the hunger uh, it's about him on the cusp of his 30th birthday, writing a musical and kind of uh, hoping to sell it, and I think it does this really interesting thing where he's writing a musical about his own life and then you kind of see his own life and you see them performing it and there's sort of like a couple layers to what the, how the story is being told, but it's it's never really done in a very confusing way. It's just kind of uh, it, it's kind of slick. It, it's honestly done yeah. a lot more with a lot more elegance than I uh, expected. Um, you know, it is it is broad and, and musical theatery. I think a lot of the songs uh, have like a lyrical style that is is not going to necessarily jive with. Uh, the average moviegoer, but I, like you, was really won over by this one. I, I there, There's some songs that really hit for me, uh, and most of all, I thought Garfield was pretty remarkable in this performance. I've seen some people criticize both the movie and him for maybe being a little bit too loud, a little bit too big, a little bit too broad. I, I see all that, and sometimes I do push back against that kind of big acting. I think it maybe matched the spirit of the movie. You know, this it being... A, a very theatrical movie about a very uh, a person who is of the theater. I think it kind of worked with what this movie was selling. What do you think? No, same thing. I agree. I know the man has said that he didn't know really how to sing. He had never put that uh, out there. He didn't even play the piano. He just knew that when Lynn was going to come calling, he was going to say yes no matter what. He would take the three months or whatever it took to learn all of that. And I think he did a killer job with that. And I also really was impressed with uh, Lynn's direction because I know the the whole production got shut down like two weeks into filming because of COVID. So then to know that he shot a majority of this movie first time around with all of those complications in mind, I thought that was, I don't know. I thought he did an incredible job. I really liked it the way he was able to interweave the story in between uh, seeing, you know, the creative process of what he was going through. And then, you know, also the, the practicing that they were doing in order to get the play out. Um, and yeah, to answer Devesh's question, I, I would at least like to see a, a nomination for him. I don't know if he would carry the win because there's still a couple of other performances that I need to catch. But overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm looking forward to watching it again. And I'm, I, I really wanted to catch this one in theaters. I was always watching it as home. I was, you know, I wish... I was hoping that Regal and AMC weren't, you know, as stingy as, as, as they've been with all these Netflix releases because I think that this one uh, would have benefited from a, a nice little stereo surround sound with all the musical numbers that they had in it. Mm -hmm. Just got to watch it at home and turn on that Sonos, get your own surround sound going. Bro, it wasn't the same, man. I, I, look, especially because there's another movie that was playing uh, at home as well that I wanted to catch in theaters. But because HBO has been rolling them out or Warner Bros. has been rolling them out in a different manner, uh, King Richard, I caught at home, but not really because this thing was streaming in 480p for me. It was given out. I never deal with this, bro. So I cannot say I've fully seen King Richard because, one, oh, damn. I saw a fraction of the quality of it. Uh, but I believe you did get the chance to see it. Yeah. From what I saw, it looked good. <laughs> Look, uh, I I gotta say, I'm pretty in on this movie. I'm I'm 
I was I had high hopes for this one. I think I actually told you like maybe last year, like our boy Ronaldo Marcus Green, he's got one on the horizon and he's like best bro. You know, when you when you see a project like this on IMDB, sometimes you kinda know they're they're going for the Oscar for this one, right? Like Will Smith doesn't normally take roles in these kind of character driven dramas. So for him to to kind of step out of his action blockbuster lane, he's really gonna be be showing what he can do and i know it's not it it hasn't uh been everybody's favorite performance but i think he is pretty remarkable in this movie as uh richard williams obviously king richard is the story of richard williams the father of both serena and venus williams uh and, and tells his and their story of how they were able to uh become these legendary tennis players how he was able to raise them in order to uh develop on that path uh i think smith here is a guy who very often when you see him on screen he's so much his persona he's got a a great screen persona so i don't uh fault him for that but here he is he completely transforms into another person. There, there is like the change in voice, but there's also like the change in posture. There's sort of like a, 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 like a weird life behind his eyes where he doesn't really look at who he's addressing all the time. He, mm-hmm. he's looking around a lot, and it's a, the kind of like full body performance that I. I, I wish we got more often from him because I do think he's like a genuinely interesting actor when he, he wants to put his mind to it. Um, it's funny to be, to talk to the, about this immediately after talking about tick, tick, boom, because these are immediately two of my favorite male performances from this year. And, you know, I think I would maybe give the slight edge to Smith, but I don't know if that's also because I, I really responded to the movie, uh, to, responded to this like underdog story. You know, I, I, I love a good sports movie and I think this has got like the right amounts of that sort of like underdog trying to uh, succeed against the odds. It's got a good, it's got a killer training montage. It does the thing where it does, it subverts the happy ending, but in a way that works, there's a lot that really worked for me in this movie. I, I, beyond just Will Smith's performance, it's probably in contention for my favorites of the year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the whole, you know, response with just a father figure in general and how people have taken that? Do you mm-hmm. feel that the script itself tries to sympathize him uh, yeah, so a little I've, more than probably would have been reality? I've seen two major criticisms of, like, the story that's being told and how they're telling it. And uh, one being that the film kind of overlooks uh, some of the negative aspects of Richard Williams. And I think that's kind of not necessarily true it's if you watch the second half of that movie a lot of it is about his his faults as a father and ways in which he doesn't always do the best thing for his daughters it it should the movie presents him as a really challenging figure who who uh has kind of domineers his way and sometimes does things against uh the will of the people he loves and in ways that hurts the people he loves um so I think you're kind of re- I think to to read this movie as like some kind of you know aggrandizing of him or some kind of like knighting of Richard Williams as the saint um is to misread the movie as is the whole uh critique about well if it's a story about the Venus sister v- uh, sorry the Williams sisters tennis success it shouldn't be about their father it should be about him and uh, first of all you know, you, if, you just read the whole family then at that point, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, 
I, I think there's totally a place to tell the story of how parents can facilitate the growth of their child, particularly in so, a place such as sports, where it's so important that you get that early childhood development. Like, if you watch this story, if you read about what uh, the they had to overcome just to break through the door, I don't think you would question that uh, what he's done is worthy of its own cinematic depiction. Beyond that, the Williams sisters have talked about they? how they, they, they're producers on this movie. They've talked about how this is a good way to tackle their story, that they are they are behind this film. So I don't know how you could argue that it's unfair to them when they're co-signing the project. Yeah, hey, some people know more about the sisters. Right. Some people know more about the story than uh, they do about themselves, I guess. Than the ones who were there. Yeah. I hope you catch up with this one. I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, Hopefully it'll stream in HD soon. Yeah, and, and it's beyond Will Smith. I think it's got a bunch of killer performances on it. Uh, Steven says he's going to be checking it out on HBO Max soon. I uh, hope so. Uh, but yeah, what else have we got? What have you been watching recently? Um, what else am I missing? Did you? Did, should we get to Kevin Hart? Oh, yes, there is a new... I guess it's literally been on uh, streaming the entire time, including uh, with Kevin Hart's new Netflix series called True Story, which we had a little bit of a theory in terms in terms of uh, is he trying to pull a Disney Frozen thing with Frozen coming out, and now when you Google it, that's what you're going to get. Is he doing the exact same thing that when you Google Kevin Hart and what's the true story, that's what you're going to get? Uh, it is a series that's not necessarily a comedy, but it's more so of a drama, even a thriller of sorts, and where he is playing a variation of himself the character doesn't necessarily have a name he goes by the kid he's this comedian who's selling out these big arenas he's also in movies i'd say the one big difference that he has is that he's uh actually in a superhero movie um so so he's like like as big as kevin hart if not bigger than kevin hart a kevin hart like Um, figure exactly Goes home to Philadelphia, just like Kevin. Deals with probably a lot of the stuff that Kevin's dealt with. Uh, and I'm not sure how much the trailer gives away, but things happen to him, uh, not just as a celebrity, but as a person who uh, has to come through a crossroads of whether he's going to keep a pretty big secret that ends up devolving, divulging into a bigger secret uh, that just keeps continuing snowballing into something uh, super massive. I think one of the best elements of the show, and you could even see it with the way that he's been promoting it, is that there's clearly the the backdrop of the story, which is not true. I mean, if it is, <laughs> I can't imagine someone putting that into film. Uh, whatever it represents for the stuff that he's been caught, you know, debacles that he's been in, drama. You know, Kevin Hart has been in the news for many things, and this is him kind of like venting it out up on screen, being able to show different characters who may either have stalked him, or, you know, you go back home, and now that you're famous, people kind of like, you know, they want something from you. And it's kind of him being able to vent all that up on screen. Other moments where you really don't care because you're like, you're Kevin Hart, you have it, you, you could take one picture with, you know, whoever it is that's been waiting for you, for sure. Um, but I, I think the best aspects of it is just uh, the thriller elements of it between him and Wesley Snipes, who plays his brother, uh, where you just see like these twists and turns that uh, I, I think make it very engaging. And again, I've only seen three episodes of it, but I would recommend it. I think it just came out today. Uh, we were able to get a little bit early, but so far, uh, it's been a really interesting watch and a very interesting performance by... It, it took me a while. I was looking at him. See if you could scroll through the... Uh, uh, the IMDb, I don't even see him popping out there. Billy Zane, oh, plays a character in this, and it blew me away for a little bit. I was like, 
Oh damn, that's Billy Zane. Maybe don't keep scrolling for it because I don't want it to be a spoiler on who on who or what he plays. Right. But that performance was pretty killer to say the least. Uh, but yeah, so far it's been a pretty pretty decent little thriller series that Netflix produced. Uh, and I like that to their addition because there's so much stuff that they're putting up right now, not just in terms of movies, but uh, just different series that span so many genres from being you know an animated video game adaptation to you know a, an original show like this that's trying to take elements of. Uh, Kevin Hart's life and kind of adapted into this this crazy scenario that a superstar finds themselves in. So I think this one would be an entertaining watch for people at home. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Kevin Hart's been doing a few different projects with Netflix recently. There was the, Busy, dude. the father, Fatherhood one last year. He's obviously put a bunch of his stand-up Decent. specials with him. Do you feel like this is maybe his best Netflix project, at least recently? Uh, yeah, so far I think it's pretty good. I think he himself has said that this is the one. That's how he keeps referring to it. Uh, I think it's very personal for him. That's why I say I think there are many moments where as uh, crazy as the story gets, you can tell that he's trying to put a lot of little subtleties that he deals with uh, within the show. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is uh, – I'm looking forward to finishing the series. I just haven't been able to. But, I mean, out of all the ones that we had gotten early, this is the one I dived into first and I caught myself – found myself watching three episodes right away. So Nice. Uh, there's another thing that Netflix has coming up soon. Uh, I think it's actually in theaters today, but won't be mm. up on Netflix until December 10th. So uh, it's on the horizon. It's The Unforgivable, the latest film from Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, yet another Netflix collaboration. Don't expect this one to be quite as big as Bird Box. But uh, I think the the hope here was to kind of give her... A, a real entry into the best actress race. It, it's kind of like a unglamorous role. You can see it's kind of like not not a whole lot of makeup. She's sort of playing like a very lower working class kind of figure. She, uh, it's a story of a woman who's released from prison and finds that society isn't kind to her, uh, given her fugitive past. Uh, she has a sister who she hasn't seen uh, since before she was behind bars, who she wants to reunite with, but uh, she has to go through the whole legal system, which doesn't really have a lot of uh, protections for her. And, you know, I think it's trying to be a kind of uh, low-stakes drama that says a lot about, like, the way we treat people and the way we overlook people, but ultimately comes off pretty contrived and pretty melodramatic. Uh, I feel like it's mostly let down by its script because the script just sort of feels a little bit uh, easy in some of some of its interactions. The, the people are too, too um, forthcoming with what they really want to say rather than, you know, hemming and hawing the way that would feel re somewhat more realistic. But it's got a really great cast, so I feel like at times you kind of don't notice how ch chunky that script is. You have Sandra Bullock, you have John Bernthal, who just does not sleep. That man is in everything. Was also in King Richard and excellent uh, earlier, I didn't mention. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Viola Davis... Uh, and Rob Morgan doing excellent work too in a somewhat smaller role so I think as a showcase for some of these actors it's pretty good it has a twist that I actually found pretty interesting but it's just the execution is just so so um, so contrived you know it feels mm -hmm. it feels like they it doesn't feel like natural. It feels like they're trying to make a thing happen. And that ultimately gets in this movie's way, despite what are some pretty engaging performances. So I'm a little mixed on it. 
Um, I, I don't know if I want to go as low as two stars like a lot of the people here in my letterbox friends. I, I might go two and a half, but I'm I'm being a little kind because I like Brave some man. of those performances. Uh, have you seen Bruised? No, I haven't. That's another one that's popped up on Netflix. Uh, I think that's yeah. Halle Berry's directorial That's what I'm video. saying. These big movie stars, theatrical movie stars, you know, pioneering right now or non, uh, just pushing some of the biggest movies on Netflix. Yeah. It's crazy to think. The I've, Rock, Reynolds. Yeah, Netflix is trying to get streaming in, is alive in and well with all of them, you know? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Netflix in a little bit, but let's actually get to a show that I know you caught at least one episode of. The Shrink Next Door, mm-hmm. the uh, latest Tim Cook joint. This one, this one has uh, Tim Cook, <laughs> Will Ferrell, and Paul Rudd in the starring roles. You also have a couple uh, pretty, pretty uh, solid comedic figures in Catherine Hahn and Casey Wilson in some supporting parts here. Uh, it's about a uh, a man who starts seeing a psychiatrist who slowly sort of crosses boundaries in order to play a bigger and bigger role in his client's life. It's based on the hit Wondry podcast of the same name, uh, mm-hmm. which after watching a few episodes of Shrink Next Door, I went and binged all of the podcasts because I was just kind of curious like how close the show uh, hues towards reality or, or the story that it's based on and it definitely is pulling like a lot of direct stories from the podcast more than I expected to. Uh, Art, what did you think of just the one episode that you were able to see? Uh, from the one episode, it teases a lot in terms of these two's relationship. Uh, so far, I really dug the performances, mm-hmm. you know, because he was like, you're kind of giving into some of the characters. You're falling for their wit, their charm, you know, even even like the charisma, the confidence that they're giving some of the other ones. But uh, you could tell that there's, from what I got, and I'm, I'm sure, see, just looking at the poster for the podcast, that it's definitely going to be a more manipulative tale mm-hmm. uh, as the episodes progress. But I would recommend that. I thought it was pretty good. I know we have the entire series uh, yeah. to binge, and I know that you were able to finish. Does it wrap up well for you? And I didn't watch the last two so far. Uh, okay. So I'm six into what I think is an eight-episode series. Uh, you know, I it's obviously the I think the number one thing is that it's not nearly as funny as you might expect, given that it's a show starring Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. Uh, both of them are kind of I, I wouldn't say it's doing full on dramatic performances, but they're not doing they're not doing their comedic thing. This isn't Laps, like, yeah. Paul Rudd and Anchorman. This isn't Will Ferrell and Anchorman. This is a much more realistic show. That said, there are moments, right? Like, there's a moment in, like, the second or third episode where they're watching people hold candles near a, a drape that hasn't been fireproofed and tr- and just sort of, like, freaking out from a distance. And that's the reason why you want comedic figures in these roles, so they can sell the, the, the awkward hilarity of a moment like that. Um, I think there's some smart and observant writing. A lot of the dialogue uh, really does kind of feel does feel like it is sort of it gets at interesting ideas that are uh interesting ideas that involve therapy and are kind of make sense in terms of where the show is going um i think the main thing for me is that i don't always feel like it believably sells how quickly Farrell's character falls under paul rudd's character's spell which is again why i wanted to seek out the podcast 
and interestingly, that was kind of my same note with the podcast. Like, I, I wish they spent more time kind of looking into or analyzing or, or sort of taking a stance on why this man would allow this to happen to him. I think that's ultimately what is most interesting about the show and uh, or, or about the story and not necessarily what the story chooses to focus on. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to say this blew me away, but I thought I found it compelling and well acted and occasionally very funny. So I'm I'm in on it. I'm gonna probably finish the last two episodes when we hang up this live stream. Uh, but I'm yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see if other people have been checking it out. If other people are interested in it, maybe if anybody else has caught the podcast uh, and has any thoughts on that. Because yeah, um, you know it, it's part of this increasing trend that we're getting of these shows being adapted from these popular podcasts. We uh, of course really like Homecoming, but more and more it's happening from these. Uh, uh, real life shows, nonfiction shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, LaShawn says uh, he's three episodes in and Paul Rudd's performance. Oh my. Yeah, I mean, it's very funny. Also interesting, uh, Will Ferrell, not Jewish, but but playing it, uh, it's all right. Uh, I, I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to give him the full blessing, but but it's it's all right. Uh, but Paul Rudd, he's he's got a little bit of of uh, Jew blood in him, so I think he, I think he's leaning more on uh, some known, uh, some relative knowledge, if that if that uh-huh. makes sense. Bring some lachaim to the role. <laughs> uh, is that all we've been watching? I feel like that's what we've been watching. Uh, Hawkeye, I say, would be the other series yeah. that just debuted today. And speaking of debut, that is the new Disney app. Giving you all, to give you all a little backstory on how it goes uh, on the advanced screener side of it for us. Uh, really big, you know, obviously, blessing, a privilege. We love uh, to just, get that access and we, we appreciate it. And it's, it's very nice of studios to give it to us. That's it. That's sad. <laughs> When you get these things, man, is it – and I was going to make a whole video for this bit. So you have uh, – a Disney now has a new app called Debut, and, and with this app, you have to have a completely separate login when you're like doing it off the TV, and then you need an authenticator app, which means that you need to have – it connected to your phone at all times and you have like 10 seconds before you put in the code to be able to unlock the episodes and then once you unlock the episodes you have them right there for you to watch but it turns out that if you're on your tv you aren't actually able to unlock the episodes because you have to sign in uh you have to sign like this docu thing saying that you're not going to spill the beans even though you just accepted the terms and conditions so now you have to log in to the debut app on your phone or your computer do the entire authenticator thing again and once you're in there you have to go get the docu sign it makes you put your initials your signature your printed name it says there cannot be any living breathing organism i had to kick out my dog from making sure that when hawkeye was streaming on my television set that nobody was there it literally demands that anyone in your household cannot be vigilant to this you must stream it in peace uh you have to sign all that submit it in they send it to you that little piece of paper also expires uh and then you boot it up and it is zach you have seen shows with your initials on it just plays right there mm-hmm. you have seen stuff with your email zach when i tell you you ever seen the title cards uh, and on a marvel movie where it goes like sokovia <laughs> the, my the az reviews gmail was so much bigger than that that's how the director intended it clearly yeah exactly nonetheless i might is... just be sticking to the disney <laughs> yeah you're gonna show exactly how big it was <laughs> It is unbelievable. Again, we appreciate it, for sure. Yeah. But if there's one thing that I know that most critics complain about is just how insane they go with uh, 
with like trying to make sure that people don't leak the stuff. There you go. Yeah. There you go. A, li- a little bigger, Zach. There you go. Yeah. I'm talking. This, this, this is, is basically Zach. how we watch a lot of our stuff. <laughs> Bro, I'm not even kidding when I tell you it was bigger than that. It was screen to screen. <laughs> Look, nonetheless, I, this is actually one of the shows I've been really excited for. And uh, I know that when it comes to a lot of the series, uh, I haven't really been the biggest fans of them. But then at the same time, when it comes to the movies, I'm hoping that they're more serious. This finally hit the mark. Hawkeye, the counterpart to Black Widow, someone who should have got it in her own series, especially with the way that they were going (laughs) to be passing on the mantle. This, I believe, is doing it right. You're not just covering Hawkeye and all of the aftermath that he's going through, you know, not just from Endgame, but literally throughout all of the battles that he's gone through. He is one of the most human Avengers. That's what he gets made fun of the most. um, And that's why he also ends up suffering the most. I like them showing you the aftermath of what he's dealing with physically, but also within his family, um, while it also being a series where he's passing on the mantle, passing on the bow and arrow, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to this new character. And so far, I've liked the banter. I'd say the action is a little iffy at some points, again, from what I could see behind my email. But I, this is one where I'm really hoping that they bring in a lot of the Netflix shows. I know people are huge fans of the Marvel Netflix shows that were yep. canceled. I know that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was teasing the <laughs> fact that, hey, this show looks pretty good. Maybe check it out. He was quote tweeting it. I'm really hoping that he appears. I'm seeing some way that he can, uh, you know, considering that it's taking place in New York, have a really big moment within the second half of the series. I know that uh, Elena is also supposed to appear, I believe, right? That was her name from uh, Florence Pugh and Black Widow. Yeah. So this is going to be one that. Uh, I think isn't just going to elevate whatever the next phase is as well, but I, I truly see this as like the perfect avenue for a lot of these superheroes where you're getting to know them first through this TV show, and then eventually, you know, be it with new Avengers or whatever they're going to do that they make their so they make their way to the to the big screen. Um, but again, I, I thought it's the first two episodes have been pretty good. I, I'm a big fan when the MCU does this like semi-flashback episodes where you kind of get to see it from like the human's perspective on like how the battle of 2012 was going on but they also have a lot of uh, funny easter eggs in terms of the rogers play that's being hosted <laughs> i think that was one of the things that a lot of people noted when the trailer yeah. dropped it's pretty funny it, cool. it, it knows how to make fun of itself and uh that's also one of the big speeches that the, that the two have between the old head hawkeye and now who's going to be the new um kate bishop in People not wanting to have this cynical, dark, dreary thing. They want to be happy. And I think that that's exactly uh, not just what the show is giving you, but what Disney as a whole is looking to pivot with all of their Marvel shows. Uh, Have – with a lot of these Disney Marvel TV shows, we've sort of been kind of like, should this have been a movie? Like, did this really need to be – Six hours, eight hours, ten hours. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling that yet with Hawkeye, or are you kind of in on the no. the TV ness of it? This is like I said. Out of what have we had? We've had Loki. Uh, Love the finale to Loki. I thought the series was okay. I know people loved WandaVision. I felt that should have been a movie. Literally, you don't don't change the story, change the perspective for sure, but don't change the story. That should have been a movie. Um, and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier just felt weird in terms of two dudes who should have had a film, yeah, uh, but it was like they needed film. a buffer. And it's almost yeah, kind of setting to what the story arc was supposed to be mm-hmm. and, the, and the themes behind the show. This is perfect. Uh, I've always made fun of Hawkeye, 
And this is, in particular, adapting a really good comics run um, from Hawkeye back in the day by Matt Fraction. And I, I would highly recommend it. This is something that definitely benefits from being a TV series uh, in order to be able to flesh out both characters and the back and forth that they're going through. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops because, again, might not be catching the early, early episodes. I, I mean, I know I will, but but I actually do want to see it in its full glory on, on Disney um, actually stream to its full potential when I can, if my internet provider allows me to. But like, so far, I'm, I'm liking it, and I, I highly recommend it. I, this was actually one of the ones when all the trailers dropped that I was the most hyped for, and so far, it's uh, it's delivered. Awesome. Yeah, I'm curious to check that one out. I didn't get a chance to yet, but uh, it seems fun, and I'm, I'm in on Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld's so. good. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty good in it. Dope, dope. All right, let's just... Catch a couple comments here before we move on. Sierra, uh, Sierra, Kira, I don't know, uh, said that she's been watching Inside Job on Netflix. It's pretty good. I don't know if you've caught up with that one, but it uh, is written by a bunch of people that I follow on Twitter. So I should probably okay. watch this one if I follow them on Twitter and I find them funny. I feel like Daniel mm. Kibblesmith is maybe the creator of this, and he's funny on Twitter. So uh, shouts okay. to Inside Job. Maybe I'll catch up with that one. Uh Conan wants to know if we are watching Hellbound, the new Korean Netflix show uh, from the guy who made Train to Busan. I think this one actually is their number one non-English TV show right now. We're going to get back to that Netflix top ten site in just a bit. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't gotten around to this one either. This is kind of a a really busy time. Uh, getting towards the end of the year, doing all the award stuff, getting making sure you have seen everything you can for the twenty twenty one lists. But uh, yeah. a lot of people really seem to like this one, so maybe we'll have to catch up with it soon. I'm looking forward to this one too. Yeah. Uh, Sierra also asked uh, if we have been watching Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max. Said it's pretty good so far. I haven't caught this okay. one yet, but it, it hit my radar. Uh, it's I think Mindy Kaling is is mm-hmm. behind this one, and she's yep. been uh, pumping out the TV shows. But uh, yeah, Between I, Netflix, I don't know much about HBO. this one. We'll have to yeah, I don't have to list. check this one out. I was I was noticing last night when King Richard wasn't loading for me, and I was like, is there something that can load a little bit faster? <laughs> uh, I saw that the first episode was 50 minutes, and then it seems like they're cutting the remaining ones to 30. So I guess big jumbo pilot, but uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up on that one as well. Cool. Did you catch the uh, Euphoria teaser? I have not caught the Euphoria yeah. teaser, but I saw that the date is January 6th. 9th? 6th, 9th? 9th? sure. I guess so. Early I guess January. I the number right there. Early January for sure. Yeah. I, I didn't watch the trailer because I, I, I'm already in on Euphoria. I know I'm going to watch it. I didn't need a teaser to tell me I was going to watch it. <laughs> uh, did either of us catch Dope Sick yet? This is Hulu's latest premium limited series. It's got a pretty amazing cast actually michael keaton mm-hmm. heads it up michael stolbarg is in it caitlin deaver i think plays a big role uh on dope sick i only caught the first episode um which i thought was interesting it didn't necessarily grab me um but it, um you know it's it's i've heard good things it's got pretty good reviews uh, i've heard it might be in play for some of the big emmy awards next year so Mm-hmm. I'll probably catch up with it. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of that so far. Yeah, they sent us a screener to it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I guess another aside in terms of how Hulu sends their screeners, they don't send theirs in the best quality. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, it stacked cast, really interesting story. Um, but when we got them, I know we were like embargoed from talking about it, which I think is always really dumb. Yeah. But 
I'm also fatigued from these at the moment, which is why I'm giving it a little bit of time because we also went through so many festivals where we had the Oxy Kingpins movie. We've seen the real life version of this so much. So the moment that we got this show on the radar, I felt like a lot of people were aware of it and there's no way that you can ignore the star power with it. But they were kind of like, I don't feel like <laughs> jumping into the pharmaceutical side of the opioid <laughs> crisis at the moment. But that's yeah. not to take away from the show at all. So I'm, I'm. I don't want to say looking forward to it, but I am definitely going to be sitting down and catching the entire thing because uh, the performances in particular between Deaver and – why am I blinking? On the homie from Where the Millers, dude, he appears also as well. Bill Poulter, as, yeah. Yeah, dude. No, so he, he looked really good in the show. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to be catching this one in its entirety soon, but dope. it looks solid. Dope, dope, dope. Uh, what else did we have here? Karsten mentioned that his favorite movie of 21, 21 so far is Red Rocket. I, I'm excited. When we we got to get into Red Rocket soon. That movie's going to be out in, I think, like two, two, three weeks or something like that. We'll, we'll talk about it in two, three weeks then. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by, Karsten. Uh, Jay also asked us, as of right now, if you had to take a shot in the dark, which win- film wins Best Picture at the 2022 Oscars? Art, I know uh, we've been doing some of our early award screening stuff. Trying to Rocky catch up Ford with everything. Track. We haven't watched all the contenders yet. Not all the contenders have made themselves available to us, but anything jumping out to you so far? See, I feel like I'm still missing Belfast for big reasons. I know that that's one that people are carrying through, considering yep. the tiff love that it got. I don't know. What do you got? Uh, Belfast kind of does seem like the front runner right now. Uh, I you also know? wouldn't be that surprised if it ended up being Power of the Dog. I feel like that film is still waiting another for another one. push, although like, does, it feels a little bit like people aren't talking about that one as much. Okay, but we talk in Oscars, it never really matters what people are talking about, you know? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like there has really been that one film to sort of put itself to to the top. Like, even by this point last year, people were already saying, like, it's probably Nomadland, maybe some other stuff, but Probably mm-hmm. gonna be Nomadland. So curious what you know what I want it to be. End up on top. I want it to be Dune. I see right here the chances is still in the top five on Gold. I want it to be Dune. Dune Best Picture. Donda Best Album at the Grammys. You know, just <laughs> these all around, dude. I want it to be a transformative year. I'm, I'm into that. I'm into that. Uh, Lashawn also asked or mentioned that uh, I can't wait for Don't Look Up. That film is jam-packed with A-listers. I just got mm-hmm. invited to Don't Look Up screening. I'm, I'm super pumped for that. I think I got that uh, nice, next week. Netflix, though, uh, first time I've been invited to a screening where they, they're they asking for a negative COVID test within 48 hours. So, cool, I guess. You know, I, 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 I wait, like to be safe. Just- I like to feel like I'm not going to get COVID at a movie. Yeah, not just vaccine. You need that negative test, too. I've heard from some people that they actually send you a test, an at-home test to take. Which, like, if they want to spend that money for me to see the movie, I'm not going to complain. But. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. All right. (laughs) Look, And you'll also be having licorice pizza. Yeah, I think you got your licorice pizza. Yeah, I got my licorice pizza tickets for uh, Tuesday. So I'm going to see that soon, and hopefully we'll talk about that in two weeks here on Intercut. Um, I'm also I'm seeing West Side Story on Monday, dude. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, I think I'm be, socially embargoed for a day or two, but, but keep, uh, keep up with us, because I'll react to that, that uh, latest Spielberg joint. He, um, he can't tell you anything, but he'll tell me, and then I'll tell y'all. 
So look out for whatever I do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, all right, man. Let's get into a couple quick yay or nay topics where we talk about some new developments in the entertainment world. Let's start it out with an article uh, that ran in the New York Times earlier in November by John Coblin titled The TV Hit That Wasn't. Let me see if I can get this one up here. Yeah. Boom. Boom. There we go. Live stream. The TV hit that wasn't. Uh, and it interesting, it talks about impeachment, American Crime Story, the latest FX miniseries produced by Ryan Murphy, a high profile series full of A-list stars. And yet it hasn't really managed to enter the zeitgeist, uh, especially not to the extent that the People vs. O.J. Simpson, a previous iteration of American Crime Story, did. Uh, the Times article postulates that the reason we're not buzzing about impeachment is the existing deal between FX and Netflix that keeps the show from being available on streaming for another 10 months. Uh, it's not even available next day on Hulu. It's one of those ones that you need a cable subscription to get the VOD in order to be able to watch it next day. Um, okay. Now, what's sort of interesting about that is that in 2016, that was the same case for The People versus O.J. Simpson, yet that was still a big show. Um, but in 2016, uh, since 2016, millions upon millions of people have cut the cord. So, Art, I'm curious, yay or nay, do you think it's impossible to have a hit TV show in the year 2021 if it's not available on streaming? Yellowstone. It's... A kind of on Peacock or uh, on Peacock Plus. after the fact. Yeah. How was Peacock able to score it up? Why did they want to score it up and take it away from Paramount? Because mm -hmm. they dropped the ball in terms Yellowstone of having the biggest like, thing. Yellowstone is a huge anomaly in the world of entertainment right now. It's the demographic that it's appealing to as well. But yeah, now I would say that enough people have switched over. I would say that every parent around me has had an Apple TV box installed in their home. They are no longer watching cable. So the bigger question, or I guess the bigger takeaway here is stop downplaying Netflix. <laughs> if Netflix isn't that important and you're able to make a movie theatrically uh, a hit or if you're able to make it through cable, then why, why is it so dependent on Netflix? I think at this point they have to realize where the audiences are at and stop making it a, a factor of, I don't know, that, that something plays better on a, an, in a certain location or whatnot, but that you're going to get the most traffic when you're actually on Netflix, that something doesn't become a hit until it's on Netflix. And I think that Netflix knows its power. And I think that I, I would say even if it were on Hulu, uh, the m most streamed one is the one that everyone has at home is going to be Netflix. Like until it's all dropped at the same moment, that's mm -hmm. when it ends up going viral. You know, even if it's premiering on a daily basis somewhere else, it's not until it hits that network or that streaming cha channel that, more people end up making memes out of it. More people end up commentating on it. So I think, yeah, that's just a matter of who holds all the cards. Yeah, it, it is. There is a thing to changing viewing patterns, right? I think 
people, especially in the past five years, have become really conditioned to the idea that if they miss it on linear cable, that it's going to be available for them the next day somewhere, right? Or, or that they, they're, they're moving away from appointment viewing and moving more towards streaming. And maybe, yes, there are exceptions like Yellowstone, but I think for the most part, you know, you see this with, with lots of shows. Uh, this article d- mentions a pretty interesting t- statistic that uh, at the time... Um, here it is. At the time, Netflix had 80 million subscribers and FX was available in 92 million households. This is in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. By today, Netflix is now available in 213 million homes, whereas FX, FX is only available in 76 million homes. So that's a huge Sheesh. amount of viewers that are moving away from cable and moving towards streaming. Beyond that, um, I wrote down another thing here that uh, the number one show in 2016 was The Walking Dead. And and in 2016, The Walking Dead uh, had 11.3 million viewers on average. The number one show now in 2021 is still The Walking Dead, only it averages 1.3 million viewers. So that's just like a general trend of like people are not watching TV the way they used to. Um, I know. So be, so I kind of think, yeah, you know, it, it while that deal that FX struck with Netflix made a lot of sense in 2016 when we were seeing, you know, shows like Breaking Bad get this huge, huge boost in popularity from being on Netflix. Now people are just waiting for that streaming option more and more and more. So I don't know if it, it benefits a place like FX to have their show not be available to stream for 10 months. It's not a smart move. I think it's them still thinking that they were going to have the upper hand when that thing is completely shifted. I mean, just look at Succession. I'm sure you've been starting it at, what, 8 o'clock or whenever it comes on for you. Mm -hmm. But it used to be that if you missed the 8 o'clock, you're starting it late. You're going to have to wait for the replay at 9, at 10, whatever it is. Or you're going to have to wait till 12 whenever it's decided to fully go up. Or at that point where you can come in 15 minutes late. You can come in an hour late. You will be able to start the show right at your own time, and it's just up to you to make sure that you don't get it ruined for you on Twitter. Everybody has the ability to watch things at their own time, and I think trying to force it back to the old ways isn't going to be the most beneficial. I think unless it's sports, that's where you have your live content going. And even in terms of movie, it's going to be this difficult shift of what is going to be able to play theatrically because Spencer is on on VOD already. Yeah, that was fast. That was fast. Mm Mm-hmm. We were just talking about A24 as well beforehand, uh, before we went live, about, you know, it almost seems like they're on the horizon to be bought out by Apple. As yeah. much as last year they were pushing and pushing and pushing that state mod had to be a theatrical release, even with Green Knight. They ended up flipping Green Knight immediately to VOD. They ended up flipping Lamb immediately to VOD. And damn, no one even saw St. Mod. They fumbled the bag mm. on that one. Zola didn't epically. have the impact that I think anybody hoped it would. Speaking of Zola, that ended up going straight to Showtime. I'm on my Showtime right now. Tell me why I'm staring at Steven Yoon. That would be where The Humans is as well. Uh, maybe my favorite, if not my top five of, of the year so far. And yeah, that's uh, one of A24's deals with Showtime for whatever reason. All right, well, let's wrap this up, bro. No one told me The Humans was streaming on Showtime. Right now, yeah. We'll, <laughs> more go. on that later. More on that later. Uh, let's get into the next topic. Netflix 
which has long kept its viewing statistics close to the vest, is taking a baby step towards transparency. On their website, they're now set to reveal watch time statistics for their top tens. Netflix is using its current preferred measuring stick, which is hours viewed. So we're still not sure about things like how many people are watching Netflix's properties or how many people are finishing their shows and films. But we have a little better of an idea of just how successful these Netflix shows are. So Art, gay or nay, this is a significant step in viewership data. Knowing how much data they have, I don't think it's significant, but it is a step. Yeah. That's it. What I think is interesting about it is I think um, as these companies are now trying to prove themselves as places that can attract a lot of eyes to movie stars and big directors who, who want to know that their things are being seen, they're slowly but surely kind of being forced to put themselves in a position to, to reveal some of the stuff. And now Netflix is – what I think is interesting about Netflix's latest update is rather than just being um, an update about uh, whenever something of theirs goes viral, like, wow, Squid Game, biggest show ever. Please look at our amazing numbers. Don't you believe them? Uh, this is like consistently showing you numbers week to week, making it so that you can compare, you can see the drop-offs statistics that I feel like would be a little bit harder to manipulate and in fact like I think I learned that like if you present statistics in a shareholder meeting you're liable to go to prison if they're, you're lying on them so I, I don't know if Ted Sarandos is going to go to prison for uh, bumping the numbers on Love Hard but you know it. I, I do think it's interesting that they're, they've now set up a place where you can see a, a, maybe not a significant amount of data but a, a decent amount of data um, I, I would be I would be really interested to see if they can, if they start showing um, more than just their top ten. Like it's very easy to to brag about what your most successful stuff is, but let's say Red Notice doesn't get viewed by a lot of million, a, a whole you know, one hundred twenty nine million hours, whatever that is, which I think the sure. five million days. Uh, you know, are, is Netflix going to admit that they spent two hundred million dollars on something and basically nobody watched it? I, I, that's it, part you know, that I'm going to be curious about. They won't. That's always been their biggest thing: is that they've never had to say whether something's a flop because it's never a flop. They yeah. get to keep it. And personally, too, you know, not to defend them, there is a complete difference when it comes to streaming. This we don't have to look at them in terms of box office numbers. There is no opening weekend. It remains there. There is no drop-off per se in terms of like there's only so many more weeks that it's going to be in theaters. There is this split that they're going to have to do with the brick-and-mortar places. I don't believe in that. My question is when is it going to influence HBO to get numbers? When is it going to influence Hulu to get numbers? And at that point, then it is definitely going to be a business deal because like box office, the one thing that filmmakers need to know is how are they going to get a boost for their next movie? How are they going to know how successful their movie is? The same way that viewers, like as we know, if something's number one, it's going to influence people to want to watch it because they believe that that's the thing that's out there. Uh, if you go back to the list, you could even see the duo who worked on um, – I was about to say Red Rocket, Red Notice uh, also did Central Intelligence. Mm -hmm. Well, look at that. Yeah, and uh, Central Intelligence. Six Underground, another film from Ryan hmm. Reynolds making that top ten. You know, is it? 
people scoping it out or is it the algorithm that Netflix is able to set up to be like, ah, yes, if we push one, the other ones will follow. Or is Those it people are the who interesting... fell asleep during Red Notice and left autoplay And it autoplays something else. <laughs> exactly. Those are the things that I'm interested to yeah. see because at that point, then you're not really getting concrete numbers. It is completely different when it comes to streaming as opposed to you leaving your house to go buy a ticket to a movie. Absolutely. Uh, and, and kind of on that note, I did find it very interesting. I don't know if you saw that HBO Max decided to brag about some numbers as well. Uh, with the debut of King Richard over the weekend, they reported that King Richard had a view completion rate of 100%. That that means that every That's single true. person that started finished it. I was going to say, that is impossible. <laughs> like, That's a- there's a lot of people. You, you just had buffering issues. Like, that's going to happen to some people. But why would you even boast about that? That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Um, I do wish they would put numbers like that out more because I, I think view completion is kind of like a, a huge thing. You know, it, it makes a big Very difference important. if like lots of people are watching the two first two episodes of Squid Game versus lots of people watching every episode of Squid Game. But, For sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting that uh, these different statistics are, are being used, are being uh developed to, to kind of, I don't know, uh, pitch the success of different things. There was sort of a lot of stories about how King Richard underperformed at the box office this weekend. I think it's the, the lowest opening of Will Smith's career. Um, so to counter that narrative by saying, oh, but it did really, really well on HBO Max also makes sense for Warner Brothers. It may be the lowest, but those who went to the theater... Zach, they stayed for 100% of the movie. <laughs> it had a 100% viewer 100%. completion rate in theaters. 100% Unreal. of the popcorn was popping. Wow. I am curious to see if, because it is uh, hours and it is watch time, that affects your content. It happened to YouTube. The moment that watch time became a big factor, right. it changed the way that people made stuff. So what's going to happen to movies? Are they going to become these two hours slogs that they don't need to be two and a half hours? Mm-hmm. Are shows going to stop being 10 episodes and they're going to be longer? You know? Uh, just so they could fluff up those stats, right? Does this that does is a, this that's a give like it, does this give a bias towards TV shows because you know ultimately if you're watching even like a six episode half an hour show might be longer than some movies, so yeah, so a tiny movie just won't be able to beat the other ones because it's not long enough. Yeah, yeah. What about the short film, Zach? <laughs> yeah, it's just, Robin Robin needs some love. It's very adorable and might not make the. Uh, the hours watched metric. It won't. Did you watch Robin Robin? I should have put that into what we're watching. It's very cute. I have an eye as a cute. Should I catch it? It's very sweet. It's got these like kind of little right. uh, arts and craftsy kind of animals. It's very sweet. I don't know. Uh, I'll watch it right before dessert tomorrow. <laughs> um, I don't know if you had read at all about the story behind Bohemian Rhapsody uh, and the screenwriter suing... Um, uh, I think it's GK Productions over Tell it. Me. So basically, uh, Anthony McCartan, the guy who co-wrote the Oscar-winning screenplay to Bohemian Rhapsody, filed a lawsuit against Graham King and his production company, GK Films, because he had in his deal uh, uh, for a incentive for 5% of the back-end profits of the film. And despite the fact that the film has grossed nearly a billion do- dollars worldwide... Fox is reporting it as a $51 million loss on their ledgers. Now, I think it's kind of like 
put into uh, put under the microscope some of the as slash film puts it here fuzzy math of Hollywood accounting. Uh, it's it's kind of been a tried and true strategy of a lot of these studios to rather than uh, actually pay people for profits on the back end to move some things around and make it seem like a film didn't make the money that it did make. You know, it's hard to really talk about these without actually like looking at these, these budgets and these line reports, but to see, but like there's all different strategies for putting different uh, expenses that the studio has underneath the umbrella of a production to to try and manipulate these numbers because like we all know bohemian rhapsody made a lot of money despite the fact that they went through reshoots it was a troubled production and i'm sure that uh ballooned the budget beyond what they expected it to it said it was made on a budget of 55 million here and Come come on like oscar campaign wasn't that much exactly exactly so it's an interesting story, not one that I feel like that um, much of an expert in, in that I can like shine a light on, but I found it interesting to read about, maybe uh, maybe worth your time to look into it too. All right, I mean, yeah, that's how that's how they do it, <laughs> and that's dude, what nine hundred and eleven million dollars? I had no idea it had even made that much in the box right. office. That does not include streaming deals. That does not include DVD, and I don't even know what else he would have been. Uh, getting in the back end in terms of sales of other sorts for the movie. Yeah. Sheesh. Shouts to the Vesh. I think he brought that up uh, during our last live stream, so I wanted to make sure to get it in here. But yeah, I think uh, that's about it for what we're doing in yay or nay. I don't know if you want to hit quick topic of the week and get in a little bit of a talk on the latest episode of Succession, Season 3, Episode 6. We are picking the next president... Presidents uh, of the United States. Um, I think this was a return to what I like best about Succession is when uh, there's something happening in the world and all the characters are kind of drawn in that direction, right? Like, it, it, this isn't the internal politics of Waystar Royco. This isn't leveraging shareholders to try and win the shareholder vote and giving away board seats, which, don't get me wrong, I find very compelling, but I, I, love, I love this show when it puts people out, puts these characters out into the world, forces them to try and interact, try and uh, use their leverage, try and get their say. And here, with different uh, Republican ops, you know, uh, auditioning essentially for the role of Endor C, I I thought it was a really interesting scenario to find uh, the the Roy family in, particularly Logan as the sort of kingmaker, uh, you know, a everybody trying to do their best to get his approval. Uh, what stood out to you about episode six? Tom. Tom is officially the number one character of the <laughs> season. I never would have foreseen that. If you would have told me in season one, season two, even before season three began, I would not expect Tom to have been uh, such an engaging uh, character right off the bat. Just, I mean, I don't want to get too, much, too many spoilers, but just his interactions between... Uh, him and Greg and the favors that he's doing for Greg the fact that he's just in and out even when it comes to that big moment everyone's always waiting to be called upon by Papa Logan right and now when he gets it's just like it's a default for him yeah yes there's bigger things on his mind he he has been spending his maybe entire adult life trying to get into circles like 
Logan Roy's inner circle, and now he he has Logan Roy's ear as for who he thinks should be the next president, and he kind of passes it over because he's got he, he's got big deals to worry about. You know, he's uh, considering his potential future in prison and whether or not he should flip and uh, become an informant for the DOJ and uh, flip to Kendall's side. I, I thought that scene with him and Kendall at the diner was was one of the best scenes we've had in a while in succession with both these guys kind of playing their cards a little bit close to the vest, um, alluding at what they want from each other, but not really willing to, to go all the way there. I I love uh, when Kendall calls Tom out on the idea that even his relationship with Shiv is getting himself into the room and Tom pushes back on that. No, he, he, I love, I love your sister. I mean, it's one of the things the show does really well in, how everything is kind of power politics to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I do feel for one, Tom favorite character, Greg continues to fall down surprisingly <laughs> in my book because of everything that he does. Uh, Greenpeace. <sighs> do you see what he did on Twitter too? He <laughs> actually that. doubled down on whatever yeah. that Greenpeace was saying that you're still going to do it. Um, Kendall continues to be a utter buffoon, bro. And this isn't new. It's just surprising to me. How he can continue to be more buffoonish in every single episode. Yeah. So um, in this episode, he ended up having uh, some interviews with the DOJ, and he had Sanal Lathan's character, Lisa Salter, by his side, kind of trying to coach him into saying the right things, you know, trying to uh, put him in the best position. And you can see, I think the episode starts with them doing like a practice interview. You can see already he's like coming in with just this arrogance, this idea mm-hmm. that he's the the smartest guy in the room the the most clever person who can talk his way out of anything and he knows he knows he's in the right he's on the right side of history so why doesn't everybody get along uh, get on his side i thought that moment when they're walking down the hallway and he's just sort of like intentionally trying to be overheard was such just like one of those great cringe moments where like you can tell he he feels like he's doing something but what he's actually doing is digging his own grave and don't she, pull a candle and you see that on Sanaa Lathan's face she how how disrespected she feels too in that moment uh i, I it's going to be curious to see what ends up happening with this investigation because you know as we mentioned in the beginning of the season it felt like there was a lot of momentum going Kendall's way and once again he's found himself with none of the momentum there's that amazing line that tom says outside the diner where it's like uh i've been around for a while and i've seen you get fucked a lot and i've never seen logan get fucked it's so good do you feel and it's not that the writing the writing is still just as good as always but i feel like many times they are fully aware what bits will become memes they and They're... I don't think I fully felt that in the first or second episode, mm-hmm. or the first and second seasons. In this one, I feel it more like they are aware what bit is going to be the reaction gift. What is a thing that doesn't necessarily have to do with the characters, but they're going to get traction making fun of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That they're going to be able to get uh, you know, memes going because of a certain bit. I feel it a little bit more this season. I'm, I'm not saying that that's even a, a, a bad thing, but mm-hmm. to me it comes off a little bit more apparent. I don't know if I feel like it, 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 to me, it personally feels like they're going for the memes, but it definitely feels like 
You said good memeage, bro. <laughs> this season literally had a character saying that's good memeage. Very good memeage used. I think they've developed a formula with Succession where For they sure. have these little these little moments that serve as these transitions, and they know that's where they can stick their best stuff. They they where they can stick their hilarious lines. Like that Hamilton line really has nothing to do with the episode at large, but it fits within the context of like giving you the atmosphere and then it becomes this just little moment and then like you say you can you can take that in the uh, succession out of context uh twitter account posts it relentlessly yes um i it's it's like knives out yeah. getting the job done i think it would bother me more if the writing wasn't so sharp you know right exactly and that's the only reason why i don't see it as a full negative i just feel like they're more aware of it than they have in the previous seasons mm-hmm. but nonetheless a, a solid episode yeah very cringy episode too in in the best way possible just in the terms of the way that they were arguing with each other and the new characters that they showed oh my goodness it felt like taking a shower especially after that the, who the, is he supposed to be the not sort of like neo-fascist dude who yeah, kind of ascends towards the end of the episode. Yeah, I I don't know if there's like a direct parallel for him in the real world, but I can think of a couple, bro. It, it, he's a, he's definitely like an amalgam of a couple different like really scummy politicians and just like speakers uh, char- and, characters who just try yeah. to to get that sort of angry reaction out of people. And I mm-hmm. I liked that this was an episode in which succession directly confronted the idea that the, the Roy family, whether or not they directly participate in it facilitates evil, right? Like they, they, uh, they uh, (laughs) help influence people who do things that aren't, don't serve the greater, uh, the larger populace, right? That they serve Mm -hmm. the elites and I think this is an episode where a lot of that came to a head, particularly in the conflicts between Shiv and Roman, in how they are both sort of fighting to get uh, their dad's ear, like show themselves as the better advisee. And Shiv, you know, coming from the world of politics, being a, a former political advisor, you'd think she'd have the upper hand, but Roman just sort of has a a way about him that is a little bit more like his father in that he cares less about whether what other people think. And that ultimately I think endear in endears his argument to Logan in the end. Yeah. It's a different party. It's a completely different field. It's a completely different set of arguments. Yeah. So once again, Shiv falling on her face. Uh, it's been, it's been a tough season for Shiv. It's very tough, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting, though, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, so some new characters popping up. I don't know if I mentioned Julia, uh, Kendall's assistant. I love her and her reactions. But Carrie... So bad for her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Julia... We talked about who seems most normal uh, during our Probably. podcast with uh, Carson. Julia is definitely one of the most normal people on the show. Yeah, that I roll after the rabbit getting thing. getting yelled at. Um, but speaking of the characters who've been introduced, uh, Carrie, Logan's new... Right hand woman Jenkins? assistant, yeah, the, the Patty Jenkins looking. Uh, I she she's it's interesting the role they're kind of carving out for her. Is she like sort of a mistress of sorts? I, I thought it was very interesting in that one moment with the vice president that she speaks and it kind of feels in place. Like Logan isn't like Logan is somebody who doesn't always like when his kids will speak up, but he has no issue with Carrie talking to the vice president. It's almost like he planned it, too. Yeah? Yeah, so... 
I, I'm very intrigued by the direction uh, and all these characters. Um, not only that, did you catch the next week on Succession, the preview? No, I don't like. I don't like to. Is Skarsgård finally appearing? Skarsgård should looks like he'll be on next week, and it might. It looks like it might be an epic, epic episode. I mean, not to tell I'm you ready. too much, but I, I think we've been waiting for for Kendall to hit his rock bottom, and I feel like we're about to get it. Okay, let's do it. Um, so yeah, we we'll keep watching Succession. We'll keep talking about Succession. Uh, you want to touch cur- on Curb? What was this week's Curb? I already think I forgot. Um, this week's Curb had to do with Julie Bowen coming in and oh, playing a Arash- woman called Abigail. Yeah, Arash, I must say. Gabby. Yeah, in where uh, they're simultaneously also dealing with a death that has happened at the golf club. Uh, when, in when, where that um, person had also dated When everybody Gabby. stands up because the dude is having the heart attack and Larry David just like looks over at his cold, food. Zach. What's he supposed to do? Let the food get cold? It's the hardest I've laughed in the last week. For There's sure. already one death. They can't, can't kill the meal either. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, this is also a good episode in that it's one of those ones where things really come together in the end. I think we've been getting less and less of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really what you want from Curb. So, yeah, this was fun. Those are the best episodes, yeah. yeah. No, it was pretty good. And I did not even recognize it was Julie Bowen until later. But, yeah. I mean, she had really good banter uh, with Larry as well, which is always what you want to see. I never believe that Larry can get any of these women. That's the but thing. he writes it, and as long as they have a good back and forth. Yeah, like Lucy Liu showed up, I think, uh, not so long <laughs> the ago. Pilot. Yeah, the... and, and, and like he just brings this like stable of the most beautiful actresses in Hollywood. But I think it kind of, you kind of buy it because he's Larry David, sure. you know? For sure. <laughs> it, it was him It was him running into the glass window that did it for Lucy. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, another solid curb. Still, Always. Still a great one. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here with the new to see and give you our picks for the week. There's my little graphic. Boom. Love that. Love the eyes. Love the binoculars. Uh, Art, let me know. What is your pick for the week? If you're heading into theaters, I would recommend, you know, Thanksgiving, you're, you you got your entire family. If you want to go see a nice little picture, we'll bring the kiddos to go see Encanto. I thought it was a pretty solid movie. It's not too long. It's got very catchy jingles, very beautiful message. I, I think you will very much enjoy that if you're out in theaters. If you want to stick uh, to a showing at home, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom's probably not for the entire family because it is a little bit depressing, but I think it is a solid drama. I, I feel agree. like uh, King Richard, uh, if you're streaming and able to actually get it in proper quality would probably be the family film that everyone will want to watch considering its subject matter um but yeah those would be my picks for the week i think we have plenty of good stuff to watch at home and also in theaters and also vice versa because tick tick boom king richard also do have theatrical showing so it's not like you have multiple options on uh, where you would like to see these so those would be my picks for the week for sure uh my picks for the week we talked very briefly about it earlier but the humans is available, I believe, to stream on Showtime or to watch in theaters. So check your local listings or or check your your TV guide and see if you can catch what is one of the best films of the year, a very haunting film about family and emotional distance that has just like a, this really, really intriguing and, and uh, puzzling ending that I loved. Uh, a lot of great performances here. Shouts to Richard Jenkins, who's great. Shout out Jane Hootieshell, who who blew me away. This is maybe my favorite 
uh, actress in a leading role performance of the year, and it's probably going to get overlooked okay. by the Oscars. But uh, you know, give it a little love because it's a great, great film over on uh, Showtime and in theaters. Uh, what else is there? What else is there? We mentioned uh, Writing with Fire on last week's show, but I think it's actually out uh, this weekend in New York and LA, maybe some other theaters. A documentary that we liked out of Sundance um, with uh, about uh, women journalists in India. It's really s- strong. Um, and also a movie that we've talked about a few times on the show is Drive My Car is going to be available mm-hmm. in theaters. Finally getting its release. Uh, the Japanese choice for best foreign language film from this year that they're submitting to the Oscars. A beautiful meditative film about uh, life and grief and and you know just art. Uh, I, I I really can't wait to get a chance to sit down with this one again because I thought it was really beautiful art. I know you like this one too. Fantastic. Would highly recommend it. Uh, another one that I think is worth uh, shouting out is one that I want to say we caught back at Tribeca or maybe South by Southwest. A short film. Novo, it used to be called Navo Zande. Now it's just titled The Musician. The Musician. Uh, it's available. They took now. out the Navo Zande part? Yeah, I think they took out the Navo Zande part. Made it a little bit more, uh, uh, <laughs> more boilerplate. Killing its chances, I guess. bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, beautiful animation style on this one. I, that, that was the thing that really stuck out to me. But it's also a really intriguing story, kind of uh, folktale ish in its, in, its, uh, in its delivery. I thought it was beautiful. I think this is one that they are hoping to campaign for a Best Animated Short Oscar. So if you want to get your, your Oscar contenders uh, in early, head over to Paramount Plus. This one is available there. I thought it was br- pretty oh. beautifully done. Yeah, one of my favorites out of whatever festival we had caught at earlier this year. Very good one. Yeah. Another one to add, since we were talking about HBO and in the realm, and I believe it was a question that was uh, also asked a little bit earlier, in between talking about Curb, in between talking about Succession, there's also Insecure. I believe uh, it's probably caught up to where I had finished uh, watching the screeners. I know they also gave us the rest of the screeners as well. I have not wrapped up that last, uh, what would be, chunk um, for the finale, but I am excited to see how it wraps up because she has been hyping up that it's going to be a divisive ending. Yeah. And uh, I'm just excited to see how she wraps it up because this has been one of my favorite series out of HBO as well, Insecure. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm, I think I'm a season behind now on Insecure, so I haven't been catching the new season, but I'll pretty hopefully good. have a chance to catch up on all that before. Uh, HBO's that firing finale. on all cylinders, oh, man. Yeah. That's HBO's crazy. Dude, succession. It. Mm curb mm. insecure mm. you were talking about the mindy kaling show and then they they, they were playing dune and king richards come on bro dune back in IMAXs. dune bike and imax as i will be catching my dude screening in the proper form that i will be traveling to go see that i am excited as can be uh shouts Lashawn who says insecure is amazing um what else was there oh yo let's th- let's talk more hbo because i know you're excited we are getting the return of How To with John Wilson this weekend. Brian, going to say anything until I see it, man. I'm not going to say a damn thing. Is that going to be on Sunday, too? I think that's How Sunday How loaded can Sunday be? Yeah. Wow. It's just too much stuff. It's HBO starts at 2 p.m. What's going on here, bro? There's football going on, too. That's too much. You need to relax. Uh, I also wanted to shout out... I, I want to say this was Connor who dropped this in the Discord. Maybe I'm wrong. Sorry if I uh, got this one wrong. But we've been talking about wanting to see Mad God 
Uh, this mm-hmm. one's been doing the festival circuit, and it's currently playing the Hawaiian International Film Festival. And I believe you have three, four more days until November twenty eighth to potentially check that one out. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one of the festival ones that I've heard a lot of great stuff on, about that I have yet to get a chance to see. So I will probably be adding this to my agenda. Nice, yeah, I've been wanting to catch this one. Uh, so yeah, lots of good stuff on the horizon. Lots of good stuff to watch. Still be watching and so Succession. much stuff coming out in December as uh, well. Yeah, catching some more Mayor of Kingstown. They sent me some more screeners for that. I, I'll give it another shot. Uh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start filling out all of my signatures for the next episode of Hawkeye, <laughs> and hopefully I'll be ready to watch it. Make but sure to initial again, three times. Exactly. You know, I'm just going to have a thumper. It's easier when I used to just be able to send the vial of the blood. Yeah. But uh, again, a reminder for the interviewees yeah. who are in the United States, leave us a comment down below on what your favorite movie of the year is, why you like it. Uh, we're going to be picking a random winner down below. So if you're subscribed, you know, you have a chance over here to get something that we can give back to y'all. Shout out to Film Movement for sending these to us. The early films of Lee Isaac Chung with, of course, me... I want to be doing a double feature over here on Showtime, considering that Mina is also there. So I'm excited to check out that and the humans this weekend. Yeah, uh, awesome to get that trilogy. And just a reminder to those, those of you who are in the live stream, make sure to leave a comment, not just a, uh, a chat in the live stream, because those goes away go away quickly and it's hard to uh, catch them all. But yeah, leave us a comment in the YouTube video uh, about your favorite movie of 2021 and why, and we will enter you for a chance to win that early films of Lee Isaac Chung trilogy. A reminder, though, that we are only shipping in the United States for this one, unfortunately. Uh, But yeah, uh, even if you're not the one who wins, make sure to head over to Film Movement and check out this set uh, to get your hands on the early films of Lee Isaac Chung, you know, guy who made Minari, one of the great films of last year. I'm I'm excited to check out uh, these other films because I haven't had the chance to. All right, so I think that just about wraps us up for this week's show. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch more from me by following me over on Twitter at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. Art, where can people catch more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, Letterboxd, and every week here on the Intricate Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intricate Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment find new episodes of intercut uh, it might be mondays we might might do some wednesdays we're, we're shifting around a little bit with these live streams and uh i got my west side story screening on on monday next week so we might need to find a different time for the live stream but we'll figure that Thank out you. make sure that you are following us on social media though whether that's facebook instagram or twitter we are at intercut and we will make sure to update you through there or through the discord which you can catch a link to in the description down below and support us on patreon.com slash intercutpod for as little as one dollar a month uh leave us an itunes review five stars that really really helps the show helps put us on other people's radar and to boost the popularity of the show so all that stuff does a lot for us we really appreciate it make sure you're following us on social media to get updates throughout from the week from me from art from all the guests we feature on Intercut, the best way to get our instant reactions to some of these films that hopefully we're checking out, uh, but the best way to get our full reactions is to stay here on Intercut. That's all for this week's show. Thanks again, and until next time, 
I don't do requests. I'm not a DJ. You saw that. <laughs>